the big part of golf is understanding how to get better and finding ways that work for you to improve. Part of my, uh, I suppose, my blueprint is understanding how I can improve and uh, the different strategies that work for me. Hi, my name is John O'Driscoll, and you are very welcome to the Blueprint Podcast. Ask yourself one question. Have you a blueprint for success? Are you doing all you can do to get where you want to be? Join me and my guests each week as we discuss their blueprint for success. Welcome to the very first episode of the Blueprint Podcast. I'm absolutely delighted to welcome John Murphy, a native of Kinsale, recently turned pro golfer to chat about his blueprint for success in his chosen career and the challenges as a professional golfer touring the world. John, thanks a million for joining us on this episode of the Blueprint Podcast. You've obviously achieved a lot so far in your golfing career. Could you just take me maybe a small bit through very promising amateur in Kinsale, college in the States, pro tour, playing in the Dunhill, playing in Pebble Beach Pro-Am and how your career has evolved and what has been kind of the blueprint for your success so far? Um, yeah, I suppose you mentioned the word promising, like for a while it, uh, there was nothing really promising about it, you know, up until the age of 15 or 16. Um, you know, I've talked a lot about it before, but I was a five or six handicapper and there was nothing really there to suggest that I should have been much better, that I had much uh, potential to, to um, I suppose, go, go very far in the game. So, um, yeah, it just came down to, I, yeah, a blueprint, essentially myself and my coach making a plan to, uh, to get better, to find different ways to, to get better. He had to do a player profile and document, uh, how a player can improve and different ways for a player to improve. So, um, myself and my coach, when I was about, it was the winter going into my year of under 17. So I'd have been 16 at the time. Um, yeah, we kind of just made out a plan to, to develop and, uh, different areas of my game that I thought I could improve and different ways to improve them. Um, so yeah, a big, uh, a lot of credit to Ian Stafford for that one for, I suppose, helping me come up with a plan because, you know, as a 15 or 16 year old kid, you don't really have a, you don't really have too much of an understanding of how to get better. And the big part of golf is understanding how to get better and finding ways that work for you to improve. Because, you know, I always say it in every other sport, you know, football, whatever, hurling, rugby, tennis, any other sport, there's ways that you can guarantee improvement. Like you can go for a run, you know, you can, you can go get stronger. Um, yeah. Golf, whilst you know, it is uh, widely believed that it will help your game if you are stronger, if you are fitter, if you are longer. There is no guarantee that if I go for a run tonight, it'll it'll make me any better. You know, so um, I think just understanding how you can improve and understanding what works best for you is very important, and that has been a big a big part of my uh, I suppose my blueprint is understanding how I can improve and uh, the different strategies that work for me. And at that time, 16, 17, five, six handicapper, like, was it we need to focus on the short game? You know, there's an old saying that uh, drive for show, put for dough, but a lot of the stats will show now that, you know, it's all about um, strokes gained 
off the tee. And, you know, even in the build-up there to the Masters, they're on about the top five putters on the and the US tour versus the top five drivers. And it looks like the top five drivers are winning a lot more money and a lot more events than the top five putters. So was it a long game thing? Was it a short game thing? Was it a mental thing? Or was it just a, a kind of a whole complete plan uh, for every part of your game? Um, yeah, I, I mean, long game is obviously uh, instrumental. If you want to, if you want to compete at a high level, you have to, you have to be good off the tee. You have to be good uh, with your approach. And um, then I think the <laughs> the putting will determine who wins that week. But your long game, I think, will determine. there's kind of a a saying that your long game will determine uh, what quarter of the field you finished in and then your putting will determine where in that quarter you'll finish uh, if that makes sense so um, yeah certainly I think I I put a lot of emphasis on my long game Uh, you know I think um, yeah in this day and age the way the the game is evolving the way the courses are changing you know you just have to be sharp Uh, that's uh, I put a lot of emphasis on my approach play over winter and you know i've seen some improvements on that already so that's that's good to see um yeah but i certainly think that uh making sure you're you're fairly tight with your long game is important to be able to compete these days and then moving from i suppose the the safe net of home over to the states college um it's been a path that has been worn by some golfers from Ireland um, with varying degrees of success. For you, obviously, extremely successful. Um, Walker Cup, um, you know, played a lot with, um, in, I think, was it the Byron Nelson you won as a college golfer? The Byron Nelson Award. Um, so the, the seed that you'd sown, obviously, with Ian and Kinsale followed through to the States. And then was it a case of, you know, rejigging the plan then or it was just kind of building on the foundations or like was there a big move uh, in terms of gearing up for the professional game even while you were in college or was it just a case of like let's just take every day as it comes yeah certainly I mean I was very lucky to get the opportunity to go to the states because as I said I I hadn't really developed until late in my my uh, boys career and there was no real reason for any coach to believe that I should have been a part of their team Um, so I was lucky that you know Aaron O'Callaghan saw something that I, a lot of other coaches didn't and had no right to. So um, he gave me the chance and uh, gave me a spot on the on the Louisville team. And yeah, thankfully, you know, I I feel like I did make good use of it over the four years because when I got there, my first year, I was it was a real, I suppose, reality check in the sense that I came, I went from being a really big fish in a small pond to a small fish in a, a really big pond. You know, playing yeah my first year over there just with the likes of Scotty Scheffler and. You know, I was still just uh, probably a, a bit too immature um, with regards to my game and didn't have a, f- uh, a full understanding of what it took to get to the next level. So uh, that was certainly a big wake-up call that first year. Um, you know, didn't even make the, the Louisville team uh, for a lot of the time. So, uh, yeah, certainly when I got over there, I realised I, I did need to improve. There was things I had to change. There was uh, improvements I had to make and feel like I went about them in, in all the right ways. You know, a lot of improvements I made uh, over there certainly still stand to me to this day. And uh, yeah, just very lucky that I had the opportunity to, to I suppose, be put in that position to make those changes. There's an old saying that success leaves clues. Um, was there anything that you kind of said that, you know, you learned from some of the seniors when you were a junior or when you didn't make the team that first year 
Um, did you kind of think to yourself, these guys are doing something that I'm not doing, so I need to try and get on, on, on the bandwagon fairly quick here or I could get left behind? Or is it a case of, you know, I'm, I'm committed to the plan that I'm on and I'm just going to get better every day? Or, you know, there's obviously been a, a massive emphasis in recent years on golf fitness. There seems to be kind of a, a burgeoning industry in that field. Um, you know, was that kind of something that you wanted to focus on or was it a case of, you know, we're, we're, we're just working on the plan I built with Ian back in Ireland and, you know, we're going to take every day as it comes? Yeah, uh, it's a good question. I suppose, yeah, I'm, I'm always trying to learn. You know, I'm always trying to, when I was in my first year there, you know, there was a few a few guys in my team that were really playing well and that were winning college tournaments and um, I'd always be asking questions, you know, whether whether it's obvious that I'm trying to do it or not, I'm always trying to learn off them. I'm always trying to observe. Um, you know, there's always somebody better than you at something. So, for example, there was a guy on our team who was older than me and he was a really good bunker player. Um, I was always trying to learn from him whenever he whenever he stood in the sand. And then, uh, you know, there was another guy who had a... He was just incredible off the tee, just had, had so much confidence when he had a driver in his hand at the time. So, um, yeah, certainly I was just trying to kind of pick their brains a little bit without making it too obvious that I was trying to trying to pick their brains. And I'm still doing that, you know, to this day, um, you know, rooming with the likes of Paul Dunn out on, out on tour and stuff. You know, he's obviously won on the European tour and he's played with, with some of the best players in the world. Um, and thankfully, you know, I've had the opportunity to play with some of the best players in the world at this point now as well. And even just learning off them every time I tee it up with them, just, you know, the mannerisms, the way they go about their business I'm just always trying to trying to learn but at the same time trying to focus on myself as much as possible and uh, making sure that I'm not too um, caught up in I suppose the big moment whenever I'm put in that position playing with the playing with a really good player I always try and maintain my own focus and make sure that I'm uh, doing my own thing because it's very easy to get a bit a bit starstruck when you're in that company so um, yeah, yeah of course I think just just sticking to sticking to what I know uh, in those situations whilst trying to learn as much as possible from them is uh, it's a tough balance, but yeah, certainly something I, I feel like I've done a pretty good job of since turning professional and when I was an amateur. I'm obviously a financial advisor by trade, and a lot of my clients' goals are when they want to retire, they want to go playing golf full time. So you actually are playing golf full time. So um, is there a law of diminishing returns, or do you still get as much of a kick out of it as you've always done? I don't know. I, I can't fully remember how I how, how much I used to enjoy the game. Um, you know, I, I, I love the game. I, I love playing it. I love uh, trying to find areas to improve. I love just, you know, I suppose the, the constant unknown of, of what's going to come next in the game of golf. So, yeah, I, I can't remember when I was a 14 or 15 year old how I felt about it, how much I enjoyed it. But uh yeah, certainly at this point, it's it, whilst it is my job, you know, it's obviously still uh, an incredible job to have. I'm very lucky to be doing what I'm doing. And, you know, I know how much other people would love to be in the position I'm in right now. So just trying to uh, just trying to relish it and enjoy it as much as I can whilst trying to keep the foot down and, and make sure that I'm not getting too complacent um, is a balance that is also pretty tough to do. But uh, yeah, I think, you know, I have a good team around me who are helping me stay on top of things and helping me... Uh, helping me improve and what was helping me enjoy the game. For want of a better word, like you're effectively self-employed and there's no one guaranteeing you a check. There's no one saying at the end of the year, you're going to earn X, Y, or Z. Um, 
so professional sport, I suppose, particularly golf, because there's no guaranteed contracts, there's no weekly wage, I suppose it, it can be quite cutthroat. Um, has, you know, has there been a big change even psychologically or I've listened to one of your podcasts before where you, you spoke about like, you know, you're a very competitive person. So whether you're playing for a tenner or 10 million, you just want to make the putt or do the best you can be. Um, and obviously money can't come into it because it, was like it can't cloud your judgment because, you know, if you make, you need to make a two footer, you need to make it regardless. But moving from the amateur to the professional ranks, um, how have you found, you know, I suppose the, the change from you were now, you know, it's often bandied about an independent contractor for want of a better word. And how have you found, I suppose, you know, getting your schedule, you know, um, if you don't make the cut, you know, that week, you know, in terms of like, that's the expensive week because there's been no income, but look on to the next week. So, you know, ha has there been a kind of a, a preparation to go from the amateur to the professional game, not only in terms of improving your game, but also maybe in terms of improving your uh, money management or outlook on expenses or, or whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's actually, you know, I, it was something that dawned on me a lot when I was an amateur, you know, was, geez, how do, how do touring professionals deal with the, you know, I suppose the constant uh, thought of, you know, this pot is for however much on the last hole or, you know, if I make birdie here, I make an extra whatever. But mm. then I learned it as early as my second event, you know, I made the cut and I think I had like six feet for birdie on the last hole. And I made it and it was just my second challenge tour event. So, you know, I jumped me from like 14th to 10th and obviously not playing for uh, astronomical money or anything, but uh, jumped me up like four spots or maybe even a little bit more. And um, I remember checking like the results after and it made me an extra like, it made me an extra maybe thousand and something, you know, uh, points and euros. So um, it only dawned on me, you know, when I was checking the results that it made me an extra, you know, when you're in the moment, you're just not thinking of it. And it was the same, I suppose, the most I've experienced it or felt it so far was at the Dunhill last year when, you know, the difference in a shot is 80 to 100,000 every shot. And I was just shocked at how I didn't think about it until after the round. You know, every every shot I hit um, was just purely, I suppose, from a competitive nature and had nothing to do with, with money. I, I wasn't in any way um focused on how much I could have made or how much I was going to make which I was actually shocked at you know I thought that that's just second nature to a tour professional you know when you're, mm -hmm. you're playing the game for a living and you're playing the game for money I thought it would just be natural that you think about money but um certainly didn't pop into my mind at any point during uh that last round despite how easily it could have it didn't so uh that, yeah that was a huge positive that I took from it that it, I'm not in any way um, concerned when I'm out there and I'm literally just focusing on trying to play the best golf I can and however much that means me at the end of the week then let that be that That's excellent I suppose it shows a level of maturity as well because um, you know as much as people say you know it's, it's, it's about the competitiveness and doing well um, you know it, it's hard, it's easy to say that when you're not standing over a, a slippery four footer that could make 50 or 60 grand or, or, or not and um, you obviously have played some huge events um, I watched the Dunhill on Sky Sports last year and there was certainly a, a large degree of uh, envy I must say when I saw you playing on Pebble Beach in um, 
beautiful sunshine and playing with Dermot Desmond and Seamus Power uh, and um, Jerry McManus. Uh, you surely got some uh, tidbits of information in that four ball, I'd imagine, from both a, a business perspective and a, a golfing perspective, did you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but again, in that situation, you know, you don't want to be you don't want to be the guy who's just going around asking everyone questions. And, you know, I, I, yeah. I was trying to, I suppose, as I said, focus on myself as much as possible while I was there. And, you know, I was there to compete just as much as anybody else in the field was. So, um, yeah, I, I didn't want to, to try and sp- as much as I wanted to learn as much as possible throughout the week. I didn't want to base my week off learning, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I certainly wanted to, to go and put in as good a performance as possible. So, uh, yeah, I just tried to go about my business like anybody else out there was. And, um, you know, I, I felt like I played well out there. I played really well. Uh, it was obviously a, a pretty pressure-packed situation because it was my first tournament of the year as well as my first PGA Tour event. So uh, the nerves were were doubled, if you like. But, um, yeah, it was. I, I feel like I played really well out there. Didn't uh, didn't score particularly well. You know, there was, there was some evident rust out there, but... Uh, yeah, certainly an opportunity that I was that I was very thankful for, and hopefully be back there again soon. And like this is a course you've seen on television many times over the years. Watch it. Like was it as like obviously in 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 Ireland we're lucky to have some awesome golf courses. Like you had a Kinsale only out the road from you, and um, probably as you know awesome a view as you can possibly get. But was Pebble Beach one of those you know hallowed turfs when you walked on going like? Jesus is something special. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you play the, the first, the second, they're kind of inland. You play the third and you hit your tee shot on the fourth. And when you're walking up the fourth, the whole kind of course just opens up. You can see the water on the right, the cliffs. You can see the 18th in the distance. You can see. And then just from there on, I, it's just, it's magic. Like I remember that first practice round. I was actually glad I went out a, a week and a half early. So I played the course a couple of times before the tournament started. And, you know, the first practice round, it was just myself, my caddy, Shane, who lives down the road. And, um, yeah, I think that first practice round, we just tried to enjoy it as much as we could, so that we could kind of get to work in the in the second practice room because it was it was magic. Like the the uh, day we had, you know, the weather was perfect. We were going down eighteen at sunset. Just everything was just it was class about the whole day, and uh, yeah, certainly uh, a, an experience that I won't be forgetting. And um, just very glad that I was able to to experience it with a, a close friend and somebody that. I've known for such a long time and then my coach came out as well and my manager so it was great to have a few familiar faces around Ah, class excellent what's the next couple of uh, months look like in terms of a schedule have you many events coming up is it um, preparation time are you training hard or what's the situation like at the moment yeah just uh, gonna take it easy for a little bit and then because I've five weeks off I think until the, the Bar Nelson's my next event in May so uh going to take it easy for a week or so and then I'll probably have three or four good weeks of prep before my next event and then uh I think it's 21 weeks in a row on the challenge tour 19 weeks in a row on the challenge tour after that so I'll probably go four on one off four on one off um just to make sure I'm not overdoing it but yeah it's going to be a, a fairly hectic uh summer of traveling and playing but uh yeah really looking forward to it. really looking forward to my first proper season as a as a professional because last season I was kind of you know, relying off invites and, you know, if I came top 10, I'd get into the next week and so on. So it's nice to be able to map out my schedule with my coach and my manager and decide where, where I'll play and where I won't play. So really excited to get going this summer. Are you a goals kind of guy? Is it kind of a case of like you have goals out for the rest of the season to, 
you know, win or achieve X amount of top tens or X amount of money, or is it a case of just stick to the process and see what goes? Yeah, like in the past, you know, setting goals was something that just didn't work for me. Uh, you know, it, it really distracted me from the moment. And um, for example, 2019, when I wanted to make the Walker Cup team, you know, the whole year I was just thinking about the Walker Cup and not really focusing on the task at hand. So that was a big learning curve for me. Now I'm just re- very much so trying to stay as, as present as I can and take each tournament as it comes. Look, I'd, I'd be lying if I said that, you know, the top 20 on the road to Mallorca uh, gets a European tour card, obviously. So I'd be lying if I said that wasn't in the back of my mind all the time because it's inevitably going to be in the back of, of every challenge tour player's mind. Um, and yeah, I mean, there's obviously, you know, you have these these goals and dreams when you're driving the car, listening to music or whatever that you're, that you're thinking of. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, certainly a case for me of just trying to stay present and, uh, focus on the process and the task at hand. And hopefully that leaves me in a pretty good spot at the end of it. Excellent. Some exciting times ahead. So, and say that hypothetically there's an aspiring pro listening to this podcast, what words of advice would you give them? Or like, if you had to meet a, say a, 13 or 14 year old uh, a John Murphy who's playing off five or six who has aspirations how would you go about kind of putting a blueprint in place for them in order to be successful or what would you recommend that they focus on I think just competitive golf is very important uh, you know thankfully I put myself in the position to win kind of at every level I played at so uh, you know even if that was playing the boys scratch cup when I was 16 and I wasn't at a good enough level to compete in the boys circuit you know so I'd be winning that uh, as a five or six handicapper and then when I got to boys level you know I won monster boys I won Kerry boys then I got to youth level won there a few times went to the cut co- went to college in the states won there and then came back and, and won in in Ireland as a an amateur so I, I think just kind of competing at whatever level you're playing at is, is very important and um so, so yeah just playing as much competitive golf as possible putting yourself in the in, in the position as much as possible because you can't really learn a lot about yourself unless you're putting yourself under the under the gun um so that's something i tried to do a lot of was play a lot of competitive golf and and really learn a lot about myself that way um and then having a good team around you is is very important well having a good coach i suppose when you're 13 or 14 it's it's a lot about having a good coach somebody who's going to guide you in the right direction and then uh you know having parents who who will support that uh, is very important I was very lucky that my parents gave me every opportunity to play kind of any event I wanted to play or needed to play growing up and um, yeah that's certainly uh, very important in terms of your your growth as a player as I'm a financial advisor it would be remiss of me not to ask you a few financial questions I know you're only young and you mightn't have made too many financial mistakes yet but if I were to ask you your best and worst financial decisions so far, what would they be? I I bought myself a, a nice watch after the Dunhill. I was told by a few people to make sure that I that I buy myself something nice. So I bought myself a watch, and uh, yeah, nice. that's certainly uh, I I think a, a purchase that I I won't be regretting in a hurry. Watches um, appreciate in price nearly better than any other asset class. Yeah, in fairness. exactly. That's why I was uh, I was even happier with the with the purchase. Um, <laughs> and then my worst uh, out in Germany last year, I didn't take insurance out when I was getting a rental car, and I got slapped with a big old fine when there was a dent in the side of it. So uh, <laughs> that would be as far as my uh, my poor financial decisions go at the moment. Thankfully, I haven't made too many that have cost me a lot. <laughs> 
the joys of being a pro golfer on the tour, yeah, getting a slap with a fine for rental car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> money, no object in the morning. What would you buy? I wouldn't mind getting the getting the Glaciers out of United. I'd probably buy Man United Football Club. <laughs> um, I'd say they've got a fellas happy with that too. Yeah. It's a it's it's a bit of a shambles there. Come on. <laughs> And then, okay, uh, so and pro then, golfer owner of May United, that's yeah. that's definitely possible. I I definitely buy a, a house in. I'd have a house down in Florida, and I'd love to keep a house here in Kinsale. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd probably they're the only two places I'd want a house, and then a nice boat somewhere. Somewhere, right. somewhere. And, uh, nice just down the road there in the harbour in Kinsale. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> How bad yeah. is Florida? Literally the mecca for for golf. Like, is it just the fact that the facilities are so good there? Obviously, the weather is incredible. There's some unbelievable courses there. But like, you know, I I'm pretty sure I've read uh, in Golf Illustrated that you know, is it most of the top twenty golfers in the world live in Florida? And there's only one or something built and live in Florida. Yeah, well, I suppose it makes a lot of sense for, well, yeah, you, you'll know yourself from a business perspective, you know, the stadium. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it just it just makes so much sense to live in Florida. You have the weather, you have the tax, you have the, uh, you have a lot of really good golf courses around. And then you have, I suppose, the competitive nature of it as well, because there's going to be tour professionals living near you um, if you're living down in Jupiter or somewhere in, in Florida. So, uh, yeah, I certainly think that it's, um, th- there's a lot of appeals to that area. There's no reason not to live there if you're, if you're an elite professional golfer. So hopefully uh, I'll be able to, to get my own place there someday. Excellent. If you were building your ideal golfer blueprint of an ideal golfer, who would you pick for driving, iron play, short game, putting and mental? Driving would have to be Rory. Iron play, Justin Thomas. Short game, controversial, but Patrick Reed. Just love the way he... Yeah, chips the golf ball. Potting last year, I would have said John Ram. Uh, he struggled a bit this year. So, Tiger. Every time Tiger's come back, his putting has never been an issue and just seems to have been steady his whole career. So, uh, you have to include him as well, right? You have to include him somewhere. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And then, uh, mental, I actually think Cameron Smith. Uh, there's something oh, about yeah. his, his mental approach, even the way there at the at the players, uh, when he hit it in the water in the last hole and just stood up and knocked a wedge in, stone dead. And, he just seems nothing seems to phase him. He seems to be so unbothered. Um, so yeah, that's uh, probably my my ideal five right there. That would be a pretty good golfer. Final question, and this is going to maybe put you on the spot a small bit, but in ten words or less, could you give me a, a sentence to convey what would be what would mean a successful life for you? Uh. That is a tough one. I think I'd be lying if I said I don't think I'd have a complete career without a Ryder Cup. To to make a Ryder Cup team, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's pretty good. <laughs> and that's less than that's that's less than ten words. So we'll take that. <laughs> yeah. John, thanks, thanks a million. Uh, really appreciate it, and uh, I hope to be shouting at uh, Sky Sports many more times, like I was. In the Dunhill and in uh, Pebble Beach, and uh, hopefully you'll be you'll be zipping in a couple of chips, stone dead, and yeah. uh, rolling in the pots. Thank you very much, John. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you all for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode. 
For more information about me, John O'Driscoll, and my day job as a financial advisor, please visit blueprintfp.ie. For more information on the podcast or to listen to other episodes, please visit the-blueprint.ie. Catch you all in the next episode. Take care.